This is Jared Fishman, and you're listening to the 20-Sided Gamified Podcast. The past 20 years, I've blended games and education together in the classroom. I'm a history teacher, a game-based learning specialist, and I serve on the board of HMGS NextGen Inc. and the North American Simulations and Games Association. I'm looking to broaden my own knowledge of game-based learning by talking to the people that do it best. Pull up a chair, get your dice ready, and enjoy the ride. Friends, as we all know, life in the modern world can be pretty tough sometimes. Whether it's that overwhelmed feeling caused by the 24-hour news cycle or that exhausted keeping up with the Joneses marathon that many people feel like they're running on a daily basis, or simply trying to get by day in and day out. The good news is that there are now platforms designed to provide us with the support we need. Our sponsor, BetterHelp, is a wonderful resource that's purposely designed to be accessible and personalized to your exact specifications. With the click of a button, you can sign up and be matched with a professional of the highest standards, a specialist that can be an unbiased support system throughout your week and beyond. And BetterHelp goes out of its way to ensure that your needs are met. If the professional you're matched up with isn't working out, BetterHelp will work tirelessly to match you up with someone who will. Here at 20-Sided Gamified, we fully and readily support our listeners' goals of living healthy, fulfilling lives filled with laughter, fun, gaming, and stories to pass on from generation to generation. We are proud to have a partnership with BetterHelp, and we hope you'll look into this wonderful opportunity and resource at a time where we all may need a little boost. Signing up for BetterHelp has never been easier. Go to betterhelp.com slash 20sidedgamified to learn more and sign up at a 10% discount for your first month. You can also gain access to BetterHelp through the link provided in our show notes. Thank you so much. All right, everybody. Good morning. It's the 20-Sided Gamified podcast. Uh, you know me. It's Jared Fishman here. I host the show, which hopefully many of you were excited about. <laughs> you know, um, I have a really fun show planned for today. It's something I say a lot, but this is a, this is a good one. Um, you know, when you start a podcast, a lot of times you're sort of the one that reaches out to folks to kind of come on. And from what people tell me, as the show gets better and better, people will start to reach out to you, right? Um, the gent that I have on today is somebody that I've been in touch with for about a year. As many of you know, I, I help run HMGS NextGen Inc. And um, what we do is we do a lot of outreach programs, right? We do outreach programs at libraries. Um, we even do things like work with businesses. Um, you know, when I'm recording this, uh, it's September 10th. Um, in two weeks, you know, we actually have like one of our first real kind of big gigs working with um, uh, some New Jersey County employees, like where we're going to do some, you know, game-based learning and skill building and stuff like that. So uh, about a year ago on the NextGen website, the guest that I'm going to introduce in a second, um, he had reached out and is just as passionate um, about outreach when it comes to miniature wargaming as we are. Um, so, um, just to introduce him, by the way, if I butcher Hayes' name, uh, he's going to tell me. <laughs> so we have that kind of relationship. Um, so Hayes Wofford, um, from, if you go on Instagram, his, his kind of like, I don't know what the phrase would be like tagline is, uh, Camel City War Games or War Gamers. He is from North Carolina. He belongs to a, uh, war gaming group called the Triangle Simula Simulation Society. And 
again, like I said earlier, he's as passionate as I am and as Next Gen is about like getting kind of people, you know, more people gaming. So he ha- and I have been chatting for quite a while, and um, you know, he's on the pod today, and he's going to talk a little bit about some of uh, some of the stuff that he's been doing in North Carolina, and uh, you know, that whole North South divide thing. We're going to kind of shatter that today, as we've got a Northerner and a Southerner talking about fun things as opposed to arguing all the time about everything. Hayes, how you doing, man? Hey, Jared. Good morning. Thank you so yeah. much. You did a, did a great job in the name. Thank you. I did. I, yeah, I, I do my best. I'm terrible with names. I'm great with faces. You know, like I, I rarely will forget a face, but names, I don't know. I feel bad for my students because I always tell them I'm going to butcher your name for like three weeks, but then I'll get hear it, you. you know. So, no, but seriously, man, thank you. Uh, thanks for reaching out and thanks for, uh, you know, being willing to come on and kind of shoot the bleep <laughs> today about games and stuff. So, I don't know. So, for people who might not know you, um, could you just just uh, talk a little bit about maybe like how you got into games and you know what you like? Maybe we'll start there, kind of like an origin story. Definitely, definitely. So uh, I think you and I are same generation. I'm 40. We are, yeah. Um, I've been gaming since I was 12. Was kind of when I originally remember getting into historical miniature gaming. You know, I grew up playing with toy soldiers and GI Joes and all that, like most uh, or like a lot of boys and kids. And then I remember vividly when I was 12, I went into a Hungate's uh, hobby store, which we used to have here in Winston-Salem and bought episode uh, or uh, issue 89 of War Games Illustrated. Still have it. Still have the original copy. And, you know, just opened my eyes like, man, this is this hobby that I would love because I loved military history. I loved models. And, you know, my dad and I did HO railroading and, you know, all the the model building. So I kind of had that part. I had the military history love and then figured out this was a hobby that, uh, that even existed. So that was, that was kind of the beginning of it. My family and I went on a trip over to England when I was, uh, that summer, uh, we actually went to a one day little war game convention in England, uh, as part of that trip. And, you know, back when everything was, there was no internet, you know, you found that ad in the magazine and all that. So pretty quickly started going to, um, Historicon and fall in and the various HMGS conventions. Very cool. Do you still go today? Uh, I have not as much recently. We have two uh, two sons, ten and six, and right. so that's kept me a little little closer to home. But um, right, right, gonna go to fall in here uh, in a couple months, which I'm excited oh, that's about. Cool, man, yeah, I, yeah, yeah I, I'm almost sure I'm gonna be there. So next gen will have like uh, I'm not sure where yet, but we'll definitely have like a little club room that you know, um, if if we're both there at the same time, you should definitely come by and say hello. For awesome. sure. Your definitely. kids game? They do. They do. Oh, yeah. sweet. So, so two boys, you know, they love it. Um, Sort of like me as a kid, they just, you know, they love playing outdoors and playing military in the woods and they yeah. love, love painting figures and pushing them around. So we have a good time. No, it's awesome, man. So would yeah. you have like a particular um, time period you really like or a particular like game you really like? Uh, World War II is sort of my first love. And I would say my, my constant love as far as hobby. I mean, I play a lot of World War II board games. Um, yeah. I've played, played a lot of advanced squad leader over the years. There's a nice little group here locally for that as well. So I've been to cool. been to some ASL tournaments, that kind of stuff. I don't love the competition side of it as much. It's fun to get together and play. Um, but I much prefer just, you know, playing, playing one-off games with people, uh, yeah. hanging out. But, uh, yeah, so World War II, uh, Civil War, uh, I've got a lot of early medieval dark age figures, um, have a lot of Napoleonic figures, haven't gamed it as much, but, you know, I say like most historical gamers, I've, I've gotten, gotten into a lot of different periods. Oh um, yeah. Yeah, yeah, for sure. A lot of board games, a lot of Euro games. I got into role playing later in life. So, yeah, you know, it's funny. I mean, I'm very similar in that sense that 
Because like sometimes you'll meet war gamers who won't touch the other genres or role players who won't touch their genre. For me, it was like always all fun, you know. So I'm the same way. Like you know, there are board games I like, there are miniatures games I like, role playing and stuff like that. You know, I've never played, believe it or not, I've never played Squad Leader though. I it's I I think it's because when I was again, I think we're roughly the same age. Like when I started with miniatures, so mm-hmm. I wasn't one of those people who started like with like a game like Squad Leader or Panzer Blitz or something like that. And was like looking for more. So it always felt a little bit weird for me to go backwards. Almost like, well, I have all these awesome toy soldiers. Mm-hmm. Let me go and play with chits. You know, I, I think that's probably what prevented me from from doing it, you know. Um, but it's kind of wild. So you still play actively, like a lot or or what? Meaning squad leader. Uh, uh, not as often as I'd like to. Uh, yeah. Kind of my regular opponent, he moved to Florida. Um, but right. there's a nice group, you know, 10, 15 minutes away. They game every Tuesday night. It just cool. falls on. That's usually baseball night for my oldest son. So yeah, yeah, gotcha. Sch- Scheduling around all that. But I, you know, I read the rule book and yeah, get all the get all the new scenario packs and stuff as they come out. So is it, I, I enjoy is it complicated. Oh yeah, is it really complicated as a game? Uh, it's extremely complicated. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and so there's a learning curve um, for sure. And you know, one of those things where even after you've been doing it for years, there's stuff you forget, stuff you miss. Yeah. But, um, but it's a lot of fun. And, you know, I just love that you can replicate anything. I mean, if it happened in the Second World War, you can do it in the in the game. Right. Now, for miniatures, yeah. what do you what do you prefer for your World War II rules? Like what what system do you like? Currently, I'm using Battle Group. Oh, um, sure. I've heard a lot yeah, about that. Which game. is an English set. I, when I first got into it, I was using Rapid Fire, which is an English set, you know, pretty, yep. pretty simple, but uh, well loved. And that was, again, what, almost 30 years ago. And uh, I've done ASL in miniature using uh, Hex Terrain. Mm-hmm. Um, done a fair amount of that. But yeah, currently, uh, Battle Group is kind of my preferred rule set. I like it because it's real scalable. You could yeah. do a squad or platoon aside. You could, you know, go up to a company battalion level. So works out what, well. What uh, scale uh, miniatures do you use? 15s or 25s? or? I use 20 millimeter. Oh, 20 million. Cool. That was what I, what I got into originally and just, you know, love it. It works out great with the 172nd scale armor, a lot of die cast stuff. You know, I try to, I don't love building plastic models. So I end up buying a lot of, a lot of resin or die cast models. Yeah. I'm with you. So like, I'm kind of like a reformed Warhammer person. So back in the day, Mm -hmm. like I, you know, I didn't start with that game again. I'm a little unusual. A lot of people start with Warhammer and then find historicals. I was the opposite, but yeah, man, some of those like plastic miniatures, you know, like not even that they were complicated to put together. It's just so goddamn time consuming, you know? And then I think like with, I think with, um, even like flames of war and stuff like that, you know, sometimes tanks, like sometimes the pieces are so small that it's just like, even though I have really tiny hands, like it still is very difficult, you know? So I like, you know, resin models or, or metal models to me, like though that that's kind of like my bread and butter, you know, same here. Yeah. I don't, I don't love the model building aspect of the hobby. I mean, I, I'll do it. Uh, and I love painting. Uh, I really love terrain, building terrain, you know, me too. putting together games, running games, just kind yeah. of the, the overall uh, visual appeal of it. I mean, I'm yeah. not a person, I paint to a decent standard, but you know, I don't, I don't spend hours and hours on every miniature. I'd rather grind out a platoon or whatever I'm working on at that time. Yeah. I'm the same way. Like, unless I'm painting like big figures, like 25s mm-hmm. or something, you know, with 15s, it's really, what is that old rule? It's like, you know, when you're a foot away or two feet away, you want it to really look good and pop, you know, at that distance, you know, Right. Um, 20 mil is an interesting scale. I, I, it's funny you bring that up because I love, um, post-apocalypse type games. And, um, I don't mm-hmm. know if you ever heard of, uh, Stan Johansson. 
Do you, have you ever heard of Stan Johansson? So he's he was like, actually, he was friends with my dad back in the day, and he lives in Florida, and he does a really cool Mad Max line, like where you mm. can buy the weapons and armor from him and convert Hot Wheels. So it's funny you bring 20 mil up, because I've been painting a lot of those, but also like getting like HO scale railroad terrain and like just cutting it apart and building right. like a po- little post-apocalyptic world, which has been a lot of fun. So, you know, that is cool. That is cool. It's kind of the, the classic British scale, you know, it's, it's always been real popular in England and yeah, uh, it was just what I first got into. Uh, you know, my very first miniatures were Britannia 20 millimeter world war two figures. I've just stuck with it. So very cool. So back in the day, were you ordering from overseas or was, was there like a U S distributor? There was a guy named, uh, Keith Lighty in Chicago that I first ordered from. And then there, there was a brick and mortar store, uh, not, far from here, about an hour from here called army group, South military hobbies, uh, a fellow named gotcha. Bob Brown ran that. And so right. he carried a lot of stuff, you know, of course now it's all, all online. Yeah. Yeah. People will like in today's generation, like they'll never know what it was like to like have to flip through a magazine or like make a phone call or something to get your right. miniatures. Oh, yeah. you know? I've still, I've still got my old war games illustrated with stuff yeah. highlighted, you know, that I wanted to order. And, oh Yeah mail a check or call it the credit card number or whatever. Yeah. It's almost like hard to describe to people because I'm a teacher. So it's like even describing some, some of this to students, like it was an important day. Like when we would order from Essex miniatures to get like right. ancient armies for DBA, it was like, it was a big deal. Right. You know, uh, you and know, going to that conventions, long oh, you know, yeah. going to conventions was just overwhelming. I mean, you yeah, well, leave with all this stuff that you hadn't necessarily planned to buy, but it was yeah. there. So. And that's another important thing that like, it, you know, it's interesting with conventions. I get, look, on some level, even when I go now, and I've been going to HMGS Con since the early 90s, right? I still get excited by the dealer area and the flea mm-hmm. market. You never know what you're going to go home with, but it pales in comparison as back in the day, like where, again, don't get me wrong, in the modern world, it's like, it's really cool to go to a store, buy something and just literally mm-hmm. have it in your hand, not wait for it. But it's just like, it was a game changer back in the day, like where you have all these manufacturers at the con, you don't have to make phone calls. You can just literally get something that usually would take a month to get to you. So, right, right. You know, it's definitely something, a feeling I miss a little bit, you know, in yeah. the modern world, you know, goddamn Amazon and, you know, yeah. you know, all that. So I'm always curious. I don't know how it works out, uh, cost wise, revenue wise for the rules mm-hmm. manufacturers, but I love buying PDFs of rules. Yeah. Cause it's just, you know, it's immediate gratification and yes. I love collecting rules, reading rules. So, you know, even though it's a quarter of the cost or whatever to buy, I, I yeah. would assume it still works out pretty well for them because they don't have any publishing costs. So. I, I think you're probably right. And I agree with you again. Like, you know, it's, it's funny. Like this is the first time we're chatting and we have enormous amount in common. I love buying rules. Like mm-hmm. sometimes I'll buy rules just for the sake of it. Like I have no intention of playing it, but like, you know, you oh, yeah. pull a little bit from a rule set. So it's like down in my little HQ in the, uh, you know, in the basement of my house, it's like, and I got a whole shelf of, you know, all different things. So it's like, if I know I want to modify something, there's always a different rule set that I could kind of pull an idea from, you know? So, always, oh, yeah, for sure. Um, now, here's a question. Before we get into some of the outreach stuff that, you, that you've that you been thinking about doing or that you have been doing, can you tell me a little bit about your game club? So, it's funny. Like, I didn't realize. So, on Instagram, you know, both NextGen and the podcast, um, you know, have a decent amount of followers at this point. And mm-hmm. I never put two and two together that you were with the Triangle Simulation Society because, like, they'll like our posts all the time, but I never put two and two together. So that's your game yeah. group? Yeah, and that's me. I'm I'm the, the Triangle Simulation uh, well, there Instagram you go. person. So. <laughs> yeah, gotcha. so, so I met those guys again. I mean, probably uh, when I was 13, 14, they've always done a fall convention called Southern Front. It's coming mm-hmm. up next weekend, uh, September 15, 16, 17, I guess it is. And 
right in the Raleigh Durham area. It's right near the Raleigh airport. Um, it's a great group of folks, you know, again, I've known them for 25 plus years. Uh, and, and really, I mean, they're called the triangle simulation society because they are in the research triangle with Raleigh Durham, Chapel Hill, but it's always kind of spanned in North Carolina. Mm-hmm. There's some other, there's some other groups around North Carolina. There's some real active folks around Charlotte, the Catawba gamers, uh, there are a handful of us here in Winston-Salem, uh, a number down in uh, Fayetteville, you know, around the, mm-hmm. the Army base down there, down in Wilmington. But I guess Triangle Simulations kind of always been the the overarching North Carolina club, you'd, you'd say. Right. Um, yeah. But but here in Winston-Salem, uh, there are a handful. And so I started – really, I started the Camel City War Gamers more as a, a way to have a separate Instagram for my personal one to put all my game stuff online. Sure. Um, with the goal, I mean, honestly, being that it would sort of grow and, you know, we've done some games here in town. There are a couple, a couple brick and mortar locations that do, uh, not historicals, but, you know, Warhammer or, sure. uh, magic and, you know, various Euro games, that kind of stuff. So they're, and they're willing to, to let us host games. So that's been fun. No, that's cool. And I guess maybe, um, maybe we can kind of start some of that outreach conversation right here. Cause I mean, it sounds like, you know, since I've met you and since we've been talking, it sounds like you really are trying to make a concerted effort to get more folks gaming, which is really where the connection with NextGen is, right? Mm-hmm. So can you can you tell me a little bit about that? Like, wh- I guess maybe we'll start with a really broad question. Like, why? Like, Because it's a lot of time and effort to, to do what you're attempting to do, right? So wh- where does the drive come from? I think, I mean, I look back at how uh, impactful gaming has been in my life and I think like, you know, had I not walked in that on gates and bought that magazine, I might never have, I might never have learned about it, you know, especially, right. especially back then, you know, maybe there's a little more connectivity now, but still, I mean, you know, kids that are on Instagram or Facebook, or whatever, unless they're already connected into the hobby, they're not seeing my account pop up, you know, they're seeing right. baseball or video games or, you know, whatever they're already into pop up, but not, not war gaming. So just trying to create opportunities for people. And it doesn't necessarily have to just be, you know, younger people. It could be adults too, but, but yeah. folks who, you know, maybe have some connectivity, they love history or they love modeling or games, but they don't know that the hobby of, you know, historical miniature wargaming exists. I think that's yeah. what, that's kind of the overall drive. It's like, man, if you get four or five people into it that didn't otherwise know it existed and get really passionate about it, I mean, that's, that's a lot of fun. It's just not a hobby that, that is well known. I mean, yeah, I've heard a lot of your guests talk about how, you know, when we were growing up, it was kind of, you know, nerdy or whatever the mm-hmm. term is. And, and you know, I, I remember as a kid, like I didn't really tell people about it. They'd be like, Same. what are you into? And I'd be like, oh, I play competitive golf and, you know, I play baseball and different stuff I did. But but I never told them about wargaming. Yeah. And then thankfully I had a teacher. Uh, I was in sixth grade who encouraged me to bring it in. I actually put on a game at my school. Oh, that's so cool. Uh, yeah. Ran a a Crete game. So I had the British and the paratroopers and all that. And, uh, you know, and, and kids thought it was cool. I mean, nobody picked on me about it. And I was like, kind of the first time thing. It's like, okay, people actually, people actually think it's cool. And now, now, you know, I feel like it is, it is cool. And people love that kind of stuff. Um, so just trying to share that and, you know, share it with, People, you know, especially when it comes to kids who maybe don't have other hobbies, they're not athletic or they're not, you know, they're just not doing other stuff. And it gives them an opportunity to do something social and, uh, you know, with their hands that, you know, keeps them them doing good stuff. Yeah, I often say everybody needs something, right? Like everybody and and, and it's almost like, you know, everybody should have a place at the table, you know. Um, So I think it's a really good thing that you're sort of giving kids in your local area an opportunity to do this. And and again, like I also think too, one of the points you just made, like about 
not, you know, it doesn't have to just be about kids. Like it could be, you know, that there might be an adult out there that, you know, is, is, has been looking for that thing that they would do all the time. And maybe they just never found it. And, you know, by you kind of getting out there and running some games, you never know, like you might find somebody who kind of wishes they would have been doing it forever, which is really cool. You know, um, where are you running these games? So maybe, maybe that might, maybe that should be the next kind of question. Like, where is it happening? So I've done a number of different things. I mean, as far as in the community, um, I actually am a part owner of a pub, West Salem Public House. We do coffee, coffee, beer and wine, which is fun. And so I've run games there. Um, We have a Tuesday night game group that meets there, but, you know, they play Euro games and uh, no, no real miniatures gamers. So I started doing them there on Tuesday nights to kind of get some of those people to see it. And I mean, they, you know, they think it's really cool. They think it's yeah. really cool. I don't, I don't have anybody pi- buying miniatures or anything yet, but that's okay. You know, they, yeah. they like it and uh, yeah. they've enjoyed seeing it. And then just, you know, patrons coming by, they're like, Oh, this is, this is pretty neat. Uh, yeah. Cause you find out, you know, a lot of people love history or, you know, they've seen whatever band of brothers or, you know, some, some mini series that got them into it, even if they aren't huge history people. So, so that's been fun. So we've done them there. Um, again, there's some local game stores uh, that are, you know, more, uh, fantasy or Euro game oriented, but they, they're good places to run games. And, you know, we've had some people show some interest. And then, um, yeah, the big thing that I've been doing as far as attracting younger people, uh, or the big thing that I did was this summer, uh, I ran a summer camp, week long summer camp Mm -hmm. here in town. Um, uh, we had, is that good if I just go into that? Oh, absolutely. hundred percent. Yeah. So we we have all the time um, in the world. Also, Awesome. So we had 11 uh, kids. They all ended up being boys, but certainly was open to, you know, boys or girls. Um, mm-hmm. We had a, 11 boys that were all uh, basically middle schoolers. They were six, six through eighth graders Yep. Um, who had various levels of background in it. I mean, there were a couple that had played, you know, Warhammer, played various board games, Risk, that kind of thing. Um, but we did it um, or I did it on uh, early medieval gaming. So I used, uh, the Raven feast rules, the free rules sure. from little wars TV, which worked out great. Um, and that was cool. Cause we got to have, uh, you know, some skirmish type battles some bigger battles. So what I did, I mean, it was a week long. It was every day from 9am to 2pm and tried to integrate some gaming every day, uh, some painting, you know, I had primed models for them to, to paint. So I think all of them ended up leaving with about, you know, three to six models, depending on how quickly they paint it. Right. Um, I had built sort of the core of a, a dark age house for them out of foam core. Uh, but then they got to put all the like waddle and daub on, paint it and do the roof and all that. So, so they left with some, some built models, but the gaming was really, really cool. I mean, you know, to take these 11, 11 boys and typically we had two games going at one time. Right. Um, we did mostly historical scenarios, but I did do a fun like uh, Viking raid scenario. You know, they were trying to capture the gold from the monastery kind of thing. Right. Uh, that they got really into. And and that was just really, really inspiring, honestly. I mean, I had never, never taught in any formal capacity, but to, um, you know, to get these 11 kids in there. And I mean, every day at two o'clock, it's like, all right, guys, we got to go. You know, I had to like force them out of the, out yeah. of the library where we we're doing it. <laughs> right. Um, so that was really cool. Um, just to see, you know, how interested they were. One of the things that I did that I wasn't sure how it would play out or not was, uh, I don't remember the, the issue number, but War Games Illustrated did a Matrix game for the 1066 campaign some years mm-hmm. ago. Uh, they had six playable characters, you know, historical characters. So I broke them into teams of two because I had a teaching assistant who was a high school student. He he played with one of the boys, and uh, 
And yeah, I was like, I don't know how, you know, they, I see they like the miniatures, they like rolling dice, but I don't know how they'll like this matrix game where they're just coming up with arguments, you know, and man, they got so into it. It was amazing. That's awesome. I started it one afternoon and then the next morning, one of the boys came in and he had written out like a three page plan on what he was going to do. And he's like showing it to me. He's like, I went home and worked on this all night. I mean, they were just, they were so into it, you know? Yeah. so that brought in some role playing elements and just, you know, trying to get them thinking critically about the the time period. So that was yeah. really, really cool to see that. So it's it's funny you bring that up, that that final point. I've I've seen that for years, right? It's why I'm such a big proponent. And again, like not necessarily of playing miniatures games in the classroom. Because again, mm-hmm. like depending like I teach like a class on warfare as like an elective to like much older students, like 11th graders, 12th graders or whatever. And I, we do play miniatures there. But in like my streamlined classes, like my more mainstream classes, I should say, I'm telling you, man, like if you gamify stuff with kids, you will do work when you don't ask them to. Like I ran years ago, I ran this big Borodino campaign. And just again, kind of like what you're like giving the kind of assigning the kids a name, right? Mm-hmm. I did that without really thinking too much about it. I was just like, all right, well, this is who you were. These are the real kind of commanders at the battle. And apparently, like a couple of days later, I had found out that these kids had created this big text thread with all of them, with all 20 of mm-hmm. them. And they were like doing research on who their person was and like why it's better to be this person than that. And I I literally at first was like, what the hell is the matter with you? Like but they got so into it. And again, like, you know, they'll they'll just do work and they won't think that it's work, which is, mm-hmm. again, like one of the most gratifying feelings, you know, as a teacher. So that's awesome. Yeah. So let me ask you a question. So like in terms of how you ran each uh, day of the camp, because mm-hmm. that's a lot of time, right? So you said, let me just remind me, it was nine to two. Mm-hmm. And I'm assuming there was probably what, like an hour for lunch or something. Yeah, we had like 30 minutes of PE and. 30 minutes of lunch, basically. So there, there was an hour of the day that we weren't using. So how did you run the sessions? Man, they were full days. I mean, it was it was pretty amazing, actually, how quickly how quickly it felt like it went by. Uh, just, I, again, because I think the kids were super engaged. Um, you know, so started with just sort of a general introduction of, uh, of the period, you know, early medieval period, talked about mm-hmm. 1066, specifically in England. I mean, we're basically doing the Norman Saxons, you know, I had Welsh and Irish and whatnot. But um, right talk generally about the period. Uh, a lot of kids, you know, came in with some, some good background knowledge, but some, you know, it was new to them. Uh, talked about war gaming in general. I, I did try not to do a lot of screen stuff, but I did have a slideshow, you know, where I showed them pictures of different games that I had run, you know, just to show that it didn't have to be what we're about to do with the medieval. It could be, um, you know, modern or naval or air or whatever. Right. Um, and then basically the first day we just, got right into the gaming. I thought that'd be a good way to kind of get them engaged. So I yep. had two, uh, two games set up, uh, you know, Raven's feast is great because it really lent itself to two turns in. They were basically running the game themselves, you oh, know, which and, is like perfect for kids. Yeah, yeah. That's great. You know, and anybody that had played any game, I mean, they got it right. They're like, okay, yeah. my, un- my unit has, uh, characteristics, you know, they have a save die and they have an attack die and that's, that's what I'm rolling. So it was really right. cool. I mean, within, 20, 30 minutes, I'm just watching them play. Right. And of right. course they have, they have questions and I can answer that, but I had two games going, you know, right, right next to each other. And I just kind of pop back and forth and I'm watching them move units and right. it was great. So then, you know, we, we'd game for a little bit, we'd take a break and go over some different stuff. I, you know, tried to intersperse the painting. I had a separate area set up for him to go paint. So then we'd go paint for a little bit and then we'd come back to the gaming and, you know, that was interesting too, because it just highlighted how, you know, people have very different interests. I mean, some people were a lot more engaged with the painting and I had to pull them yep. away to come game and some were 
like, eh, you know, it's okay if I don't get the paint kind of thing, which was fine. Right. I mean, I, I wanted it to be um, flexible to where the kids could, where the kids could do that. Um, yeah, yeah, for sure. You're really yeah, giving I mean, them a chance to kind of shine and do the things that they want to do, right? Which exactly. sometimes it's like the opposite of school, you know, like where right. you can kind of pick and choose what you want to do. And which is one of the great things about wargaming, right? Or really any kind of gaming, like, you know, some people are in it because they like to collect. Some people are in it because mm-hmm. they like to paint or, you know, or the strategy elements and stuff like that. So very right. cool. How exhausted yeah, were you at two o'clock? Every it day? was exhausting. It was exhausting. <laughs> I told, I told my wife, uh, she actually has a master's in, in teaching and taught. Yeah. A little bit. You know, I came home. It's like, it, I mean, I've always appreciated what teachers do, but it makes yeah. you really appreciate it when you teach, you know, 11, 11 middle school boys for five straight days. And, and every day, you know, we'd end at two and then I'm spending like two hours moving, you know, setting up the games to the next day, cleaning yeah. up, moving stuff around. I mean, you, you, you know, Oh, I do. Yeah. yeah you're speaking my the, life, my friend. Yeah. yeah. Then in when the students leave, but uh, yeah, I mean, I loved it so much. I've actually, uh, I've gotten on the sub list for the school. So, Oh, that's cool. Uh, yeah. Yes, you, you seem to lead this very interesting life. So it's like you're pub owner, you're doing, Wargaming outreach, like it seems like you do a lot of different things, which is very interesting, you know? Yeah, it keeps, you know, keeps it fun. I would not be yeah. happy just uh, sitting, you know, punching out widgets every day or whatever. Yeah, for sure. Wait, so have you subbed the class yet this year? Not yet. Not oh, yet. okay, gotcha. No, I've, just, I've just done that. So what? Let what me prompted, tell you. Oh, no, go ahead. Go ahead. <laughs> oh, no. Uh, I was just going to say what really prompted that. I, I, the fellow who runs the summer camp. So this is actually the school that I went to as a kid. It's a, oh, independent, okay independent school here in, in Winston-Salem, same one that uh, Summit School is the name of the school. So same oh, one sweet. I work I for ran independent the, school, so okay. yeah, I'm familiar with that world. Yeah. So same school that I ran a game at, you know, 30 some years ago. And, yeah. and uh, so I was talking to him and uh, told him that I want to do something this fall too. So we've got two different kind of initiatives going. I'm going to do a afternoon academy, which is pretty short. It's only an hour and a half, one day a week. Um, and that's for younger kids. That's for fourth and fifth graders. So I'm going to, I'm going to do gaming, uh, to your earlier point. I mean, an hour and a half, I don't think I'm going to have time to necessarily do a full on miniatures game. I may set up a little skirmish or something, but, um, you know, try to, try to gamify some learning opportunities for them. Yeah. Um, and then I'm also going to start, um, kind of outside of the the school, but, but they're going to facilitate just communication with the kids, uh, doing a game game club. Oh, sweet. And that's going to run during the year. That would run during the year, you know, probably on like Saturday mornings. We haven't worked out all the details of that, but you yeah, know, maybe, maybe one once a month or twice a month, something like that. And you know, I, I would provide everything, set up the game, and then you know they would come and come and play basically. Yeah. Now, again, I don't want to jump ahead too much because I I feel I have like a million questions. Um, well, so how how did you like? What was the connection with the school? So you went there, but I guess you still knew people there, and you're you're so it's almost like you're kind of going in almost like as a consultant or something. Well, and it's where our boys go to school too. Oh, yeah. so gotcha. they, they go they go there as well. And um, yeah, I think the conversation about you know the history and gaming really. Um, gosh, I should be able to remember this, but I think I think I was just saying like, man, you know, I love love the idea of teaching kids more about gaming because our boys have gotten so into it. Right. And so, so, uh, you know, our oldest had said, Hey, would it it'd be cool? And I've had some of his friends over. He's, he's a little bit younger. He's 10. So he's in fourth yeah. grade, but I've had his friends over and done games. I thought, well, let's see if the school might want to do something. So I just approached the fellow who runs the summer program and talked to him about it. And he thought it'd be awesome. Yo, it is. I uh, did that for years at, at my old school, not so much my new school, but for years at, at Hackley in, uh, in, in New York, I I basically did exactly what you're describing. The only difference is, is that I I work work there full time, you know. Mm-hmm. But summer programs can be really really fun. I like it because 
um, again, like, you know, the point that you just made about how um, the after school stuff that you're going to do, like you only have that hour and a half, right? What I loved about the summer program is we could play a really long game, you know, over the course of the full day, you know, because again, it's a very similar like structure. We had um, the session would, would be from nine to 12 and then they would have an hour lunch and then they would go from one to four. So it's like almost like wow. six hours of gaming, you know, yeah. I would be shot by the end of the week, you know, but man, they, they had a absolute blast. And let me tell you, like, I'm biased obviously because you know, the fact that I worked there and stuff. But let me tell you, like gaming for the kids that were involved in that program, gaming did a lot for them. It opens up mm -hmm. pathways in your brain, you know, that just, you know, for other kids, like they don't open up because they're just right. not having to think the way that you and I would playing a game, you know? Mm -hmm. So um, what's this, what's the school like? So it's called Summit, you said? Summit School. It's, yeah. uh, they have, uh, what do they call it? Eaglets, which are like, three, four-year-olds up through yep. ninth grade. So a little oh, bit okay. interesting in that it ends in ninth grade. So yeah, I don't honestly know the whole history of that. I think it had to do with when there used to be like junior highs. And so yeah. you would transition to high school. But so now, uh, you know, kids have to decide if they go to a freshman year somewhere, if they stay there for ninth. Yeah, gotcha. There's a bunch um, of schools like that around here too. So yeah, but it, you know, it's a great school. I don't know total number of students, but each, um, each grade probably has about 40 to 50 kids, yep. um, you know, broken down into like, 12 to 14 person classrooms and you know they do a great job of uh differentiating when you know kids have whether they're more advanced or if they're lagging behind you know they have just a ton right. of opportunities to to help kids you know get get caught up or really uh cultivate the ones who are ahead in certain subjects so right so if you don't mind me asking so what are you what what's your family going to do is it is it going to be the kind of thing hmm. like like when they hit eighth grade like you're going to look for another independent school or is right. there a good public school in the area that's a, good, that's a great question we talk about it daily Okay, gotcha. Uh, I, I think I think we would want to stay for ninth grade. They do a lot of things in ninth grade there, like leadership type opportunities that are really yeah. awesome. Yeah, uh, and that's what I did. I stayed through ninth grade, and then I transitioned to a public school, Reynolds High School here in Winston. Um, yeah, which might be what we do. I mean, it's it's hard to say right now. I think yeah. I think there are pros and cons of both. You know, it's a it's a crazy world we live in. <laughs> oh yeah, yeah, for sure, for um, sure, especially in schools. It is, you know, it so. Is. Um, every school is a little bit different. You know, you got some, and again, I, it's not like anybody listening is not going to know this, but yeah, I mean like some schools, you know, super, super conservative, you know, some schools, super, super liberal, you know, it's, it's almost like now, again, not to get too political, but like the whole idea of like moderation or the whole idea of like mm -hmm. something in the middle, I just don't know if it exists anymore. I don't know if you, it can exist, you know, I if know. that makes sense. I know it's hard and you want not your to say to that. Yeah. I'm sorry. Go ahead. Oh, I was just going to say, and you want your kids to kind of be able to make their own, you know, to learn to then be able to make their own decisions, right? I yes. mean, that would be the perfect world. I don't, I don't care which way they go. I just, I want them to be able to make informed decisions. Yeah. Uh, but if they're learning stuff that's biased heavily one way or the other, that makes it hard. So. Absolutely. And you've got to hope that you, your kids have good teachers, you know? And again, right. like I don't usually compliment myself very often, but I will say like the, the thing that I'm most happy about is a lot of times like kids will come up to me at the end of the year and they have really no idea what I think about the world. Right. It's because it's not my place like that. It's like indoctrination, you know, like to me, <laughs> I'm always giving sort of both sides, you know, you know, you know, to the coin and really teaching them how to think as opposed to like, well, I want you to think like me because right. um, teachers have a lot of power. We often don't think that, but they sometimes kids will see more of us than they see their own parents in, in today's <laughs> world, you know, so it's a little bit a little bit of a wild world, you know, so is your community that you live in? Is it particularly big or is it small or? 
Oh, it's kind of a mid-sized city. I think we've yeah. got about 250,000. Okay. Um, yeah, so it's a nice size, you know, big enough, but without the crazy commutes and cost of living of some of the bigger cities in North Carolina. Right. Gotcha. Gotcha. Yeah. So in terms of, I mean, even though I feel like I have a pretty good sense of where you're headed with all of this, but so it sounds like you're really integrating yourself into the school. And I guess, I guess I don't remember if you mentioned this or not. So I know you're going to be doing the um, after school stuff. And are you going to do another summer program? Is that something that's like already in the works? Yes, sir. Yeah, yeah, definitely. I committed to do another uh, a week next summer. Cool. So, you know, I mean, I would, they, they do like seven or eight summer sessions, but it's not feasible to do. I mean, I do have a full-time job. So Yeah, that would be really uh, great. So what are you doing? Taking yeah. vacation time to do it? Yeah, or? yeah just gotcha. took, took the week off to do it, which is fine. I mean, I'm thankful to be self-employed, so I'm flexible. But right. um, that, that made it easier. But yeah, we're going to do a week next summer. I haven't decided. I think it worked out really well to focus on one period. I really liked that. I mean, it definitely made it easier for me because I wasn't having to take lots of different stuff. You know, I mean, I I didn't have to transition figures and terrain. I just had to move it around every day. Um, We we were careful. And I mean, you'll appreciate this on kind of what period we did. I mean, as much as I love World War II, um, you know, and just in talking through it, it's like, well, you know, folks, folks have relatives in recent recent memory on both sides of that, you know, so if if some student had, you know, ended up playing the Germans and, you know, maybe had a Jewish relative or, you know, whatever. Yeah, the, the for sure. Circumstances. We want to be really sensitive to that. So, and which made early medieval kind of easy. Cause even though there were some terrible people back then, uh, you yeah, know, no, yeah, nobody yeah. really, nobody really remembers if their relatives were, you know, Saxons and were yeah. pillaged no, it's, and burned it's really by good Vikings instinct. or something. Yeah, yeah, no, it's really good instinct. And yeah, like, you know, what's funny. Like, I don't know if it's just because parents trusted me, but everything that you're saying here, like talking about like being sensitive to like what kind of games you play. I'm that way as well. Like I'm really careful, you know, about, about what games I run. Um, Parents never really push back on anything. I think they just, Mm -hmm. I think they knew that while you might be playing a game about a particular period where something terrible happened, I think all of the parents were pretty good about like, you know, realizing that it's just a game. These are just toy soldiers, you know, and none of the kids are thinking about the actual violence. I mean, again, like I say this all the time, but you could literally just replace all of the figures with like little purple dinosaurs or something and just leave the rules the same. Nobody's thinking about it, you know, but I think it's really good instinct on your part because you're right. Like, even though I'm a big proponent of the fact that it's just a game, but look like, you know, um, I'm just not going to put a kid into a position where the game that we're playing, like, directly impacts them right. you know what i mean like right. for example like running like a modern war game yeah you know that's tricky you know um so i think that's good instinct on your part you know but yeah. let me ask something if you were to change it up like if you were to run something a little different for the camp you know i mean do you have other things in mind that you'd be interested in doing yeah. so what i'm thinking about doing next summer because i do think there's going to be uh i think there'll be some kids who come back you know so it would be nice to do something different for them and and for me selfishly it'd be fun um, I think I'm probably going to do Napoleonics just cause I've got a lot of Napoleonics. You know, again, I think it's removed enough emotionally from most people's history, family history yeah. that it would be safe. And, you know, of course, ton of different countries and, uh, you know, kingdoms and all represent it. Um, so yeah, I, I think that's kind of what I'm leaning toward right now doing yeah. Napoleonics. I mean, I've got, got a fair amount of, um, Revor to paint, not paint mm-hmm. it, but that yeah. that might be a good uh, impetus to make me get those painted. But I think right yeah. now, I'm leaning toward Napoleonic. Cool. What scale are your Napoleonics in? 
uh, 28 millimeter. Oh, 28. Gotcha. Do you have a yeah. favorite company that you buy from or? Mm, I love the Calpay stuff. It's really gorgeous. Ooh, I've never, I've never, they seen don't those. have a, they don't have a huge range. I, a lot of what I have is, uh, you know, the Waterloo campaign. I, I really wanted to do Prussians and French at, uh, Place Noir. Yeah. So that sure, kind of street, sure. street fighting. So a lot of what I have are Calpay because they do do the late war French yeah, and, cool. uh, and Prussians. Yeah. Very cool. Do you have, cause here's the million dollar question with kids. Um, do you have a rule set in mind? Like, do you have a set that you think could work well for them? For the Napoleonics, I, ha- I honestly haven't broached it well enough yet. So yeah, I, gotcha. I, I don't know. I don't know. Gotcha. But a lot of the guys around here use, um, it's really popular among the, the TSS crowd is the Carnage and Glory, the computer model. Oh, sure, sure, which sure. Which I sure. really love. It would not work for the camp. No, um, probably but, not. But I do love that as a way to integrate. I mean, I think it, it can attract kids just because it's you know it involves some technology and um i do miss the actual dice rolling though. oh sure yeah because <laughs> yeah. kids are there for the fun but you know what's right. funny though in the same sense that you know we were talking earlier about you know like how much kids get into it i mm-hmm. think they would get a kick out of the narrative part of that game i do too you know you know what i mean like where they're you know, every time, oh, by the way, let me actually freeze for one sec, just for our audience. If you've never heard of Carnage and Glory, it's one of the most unique games that you'll ever find. Um, so Nigel Marsh actually is a guy that doesn't live too far from me. He's a Connecticut guy. And um, long story short, it's a, it's a simulation in which all of the units have like a unit number on it and there's no dice in the game. So you're moving your troops and it's like every time you change formation, every time you go into bad terrain, like things will kind of negatively impact your unit. And when you fire or fight melee, like you have to give the GM your number and then the opponent's number and whatever the range is. And what the, the thing about the game is it uses a computer system where it does all the calculations for you. And it literally keeps track of how many dead and wounded there are. And a lot of times if you're if the GM is good, they're not going to give you a ton of information. They're just going to say, you see a lot of smoke or like you see a whole score of people drop. You see the unit waiver, you know? So it's for kids, like them getting a chance to see that narrative could be really fun, you know? Mm -hmm. So if you've never heard of the game, definitely look it up when you're done listening to the pod. So, um, but yeah, yeah, I think your instinct is right though. I think without the dice, it might be tough for the kids, you know? Yeah. I might try that. I know there was, um, Hmm. It was a free set that was just released recently, maybe about oh. Harry. Yep, Valor and Fortitude, I think yeah. it's called. Yeah, that yeah. could work. That was one nice thing I liked about Raven Feast. I mean, it was a great rule set, and it was free, so it was easy to. I mean, I gave all the kids a copy, right. um, you know, which is a nice, nice takeaway. And so that would be a nice opportunity to do that again. Yeah, for sure, for sure. Well, look, I mean, Hayes, it sounds like you have a really great thing going on, you know, down, um, you know, where you live. Um, let me ask you something, just in terms of like solely wrapping this podcast up even though i feel like you and i have enough in common where we could probably just kind of keep going (laughs) like um if somebody out there is listening and they look at what you're doing and they say to themselves that's something that i would want to do if you could just give them a couple pieces of advice what would that advice be about kind of starting a program in your in a community kind of like you are Mm -hmm. I know it's a yeah. big question. It's a broad it, one. Right. Well, I think, I mean, ha- honestly, having um, having my own kids and getting them into gaming before I started doing it with other kids, for me, was really helpful. Because I will say when when our boys 
started, you know, getting around my figures and accidentally breaking my figures, mm-hmm. you know, that, that was definitely a, um, a challenging thing for me at first, you know, cause yeah. I'm an only child. And it's like, I've always had my stuff really well kept. Right. So I think, you know, my point of that, of saying that is just, I think you have to have a lot of patience, you know, especially when, I mean, even with adults, right. Who are getting into the hobby, they don't know. Right. Um, so I think just have, you know, a lot of patience, really, really make it fun. I mean, that's the main thing. You've got to yeah. make it fun. You know, just like I did that Viking raid game. I mean, I used a simple set of rules. You've got to make it fun. If you go in with yeah. a complicated set of rules or, you know, some huge expectation of playing this, whatever, eight hour long battle. I mean, just, you know, make it fun. Keep it small. Keep it simple. Um I think that would be my overarching thing, you know, just, just be patient with people. They're not, they're going to mess up. They're not going to know what they're doing. They're going to ask questions that feel maybe, you know, like why, why are they even asking that? But just, yeah, yep. keep it, keep it really fun. I mean, that's what I love about the seemingly where the hobby has gone these last, you know, 10, 20 years. I just think there's a lot of positivity, which I love. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, me too. And I think that advice is great, you know, cause I, again, like I think, it's a special skill set to be able to run games for kids. I mean, it's a special skill set to be able to run a game in general. Because, mm-hmm. again, like what I always say is, whether you're talking about your own game club or running a game in a con, like you never know who's going to play. You never know what somebody's skill level is going to be. And you really have to be patient. And you really have to be able to either make modifications to a rule set um, or pick the right rules that are going to work for that kind of circumstance, mm-hmm. right? So... Again, like you have really, really, I wouldn't be surprised if you end up being a teacher, to be honest, like just listening to everything that you're saying, like you have great instinct because look, a lot of people out there would be like, oh, well, I really like squad leader. I'm going to run this for 10 year olds, you know, and it ends up doing the opposite of what you Mm -hmm. want it to do. And believe it or not, like next gen has had a little bit of trouble with that, where we might bring in people to run games for kids that are completely well-intentioned and you know, I, and I've seen this happen, like where, you know, you're, you're sitting there and the kids listen to a 45 minute lecture, you know, mm. that they don't care about, you know, and I think that it takes a special person to be able with special training to really be able to do what you're talking about, you know, um, though it's not insurmountable. You just have to be patient, you know? Right. So. And the energy, I mean, you know, the, the, pe- the energy that the kids bring or just new gamers in general, when they, you know, when they first see a game and like, oh, I mean, I remember when the kids first walked in the library where I had the two games set up that first yeah. morning, they're like, whoa, this is awesome, you know, yeah. or when you see somebody walk in a hobby store and they just come in to buy paint and they see a game, it's like, oh, this is amazing. Yeah, so. for sure. And I think for young kids, middle school is like the perfect age, like sixth grade, seventh grade, eighth grade. It's a really good time to like get kids playing, yeah. you know? Because I think for older kids, there still might be that like, oh, I don't know if I should be doing this kind of stigma. But with with middle right. school kids, it's like, you know, they they really kind of dive in. And even like really young kids, like I, I think you were saying something like, what, fourth and fifth graders? Like, you know, mm-hmm. maybe do. Yeah, they're they're an interesting group, too, because they even have more energy. And right. I think that, um, you know, you really have to be specific with them about like what kind of what kind of game you're playing, you know. Mm-hmm. So, um. Well, Hayes, look, I mean, this was a really awesome uh, conversation. I, I really appreciate the fact that, you know, um, you know, you were willing to come on and kind of share, you know, this story with people. Because I bet you there are people out there that are listening that want to do what you're doing but aren't sure where to start. So the fact that you were willing to come on, like, I think it's going to be pretty inspirational to people that, you know, might say to themselves, like, I can do this. Like, I want to kind of get out there. So on that note... If somebody wanted to reach out to you, if somebody wanted to seek advice 
from mm-hmm. you, how would somebody best contact you? What would be yeah. the preferred contact? Awesome. Uh, well, they can certainly check out my my Instagram. It's at uh, Camel City War Gamers. Uh, if they don't have Instagram, happy to just email me. It's Hayes H A Y E S at WilsonCovington.com. W I L S O N C O V I N G T O N dot com. All right. Awesome. So um, again, Hayes, thank you so much for coming on. I really appreciate it. And I'm definitely going to bring you on again. In fact, we'll talk off air because I feel like there's some collaboration that we can do between next gen and, and all the stuff you're doing in your community. So would love that. Yeah. yeah. Thanks for the opportunity. I love, love your podcast. I've enjoyed, oh, I think cool. I'm, I think I'm fully called up now. So I've enjoyed oh, all gotcha. of it. Yeah. I've been, I've been trying, I've posted a lot this summer. Um, yeah. I have a really long backlog, you know, of interviews, which is a good thing, I, I think, you know, but at the same time, I want to make sure that I get these out in a timely manner, you know, so, uh, you you know, but great. again, I appreciate awesome. it. And it's very kind. Yeah. I don't take compliments while I'm doing my best here. So well, I'm glad. Great. You, yeah, it's great. Thankful for it. Awesome. All right. So people out there listening, I hope you enjoyed the pod. Um, and I hope you enjoy. We got a lot of really great uh, interviews sort of on the horizon. Um, so thanks for listening. And I appreciate it. And have a wonderful day. Thank you so much for listening to today's 20-sided Gamified podcast. I hope you got as much out of the conversation as I did. If you're interested in learning more about the organizations I work with, please visit www.nextgengaming.org and www.nasaga.org. My Instagram handle is HMGS underscore NextGen underscore Inc. Until next time, be well, get some gaming in, and roll some 20s. Thank you so much.